Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Uh, If you want to write it down in your syllabus, write it down. Mark 1, 16 through 22. We're starting off on Jesus on evangelism. How and what Jesus did, how he evangelized, what he did is what we can glean from, the principles, the values, and what his passion was like. And so, verse 16 says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, can you imagine what they were thinking at that time? Like, because he was talking spiritually. And, you know, to fir- that's the first time anybody's probably spoke like Jesus because he came speaking in parables. So if you can imagine his mindset, kind of like Nicodemus, when, when God told Nicodemus, you must be born again, he goes, how can I get into my mother's room the second time? That's odd. How am I going to, can you imagine what they were thinking? We're catching fish with nets. How are we going to catch people like, you know, I see you, God wants you, and net them? So the concept had to be taught a whole new different meaning, and he introduced that to them. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now there's a reason why they left their nets and followed him. Because they had heard about Jesus up to that time. They knew who he was. His reputation preceded him. He didn't just come up as a stranger and say, uh, come follow me. Not, at least in, in the biblical sense of what you can find in there. People knew who Jesus was. He had a following already. And so when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat. Preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, he, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat in the, and with hired men and followed him. So now we're looking at, at James and John, who are brothers. They're called the sons of thunder. And they are now called to go away and leave their livelihood and leave their father. And, and no one just does that. And they followed And now, verse 21, and they went to Calpurnium, and when the Sabbath had come, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And people were amazed at his teaching. That's the wonderment of God. Because he taught them as one having authority, who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So with all of this being said, there was something about Jesus that made him different from anyone else who ever walked in this world and on this earth. And there's something about the presence of God that separates us from the rest of the world. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his presence. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his presence. No one would be here. Jesus did not come to disciple the whole world. He came to disciple 12 that would turn the world upside down. So in this first part of the semester for this week, we're talking about focusing on the few. Focus on the few. Focus on the few. There are people in your life around you that are waiting for you to influence them, whether they know it or not. And there's a way to do this. And we're going to go over that today. Somebody say, God bless this message. Somebody say, God bless this atmosphere. Somebody say, God, anoint Pastor Bobby. He's going to need it. In Jesus' name. Now give God just out of gratitude, just a hand clap and tell him, thank you, Lord Jesus. You can never out-worship or out. Thanking God doesn't get old, right? And you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for standing. So important right now the subject of discipleship and evangelism. Evangelism, I think, is a lost concept, and 
I, I think very few people really talk about it. Because when we think of evangelism, we think of evangelist, which is someone who evangelizes. And we think that an evangelist has to have his own tent, his own pulpit, right? And have to travel and set up in towns and or go, go door to door in a suit and a tie and uh, preach sermons to people on the spot. Evangelism is a lot simpler than that. You don't need a platform to evangelize. But you have to know who you are and who he is. And, and so when you look at this right now, I'm going to tell you that evangelism just isn't a term used for church. Or at least Christian, the Christian church. Our world is right now being evangelized by ideologies, ideas, government entities, education, programs. And the real battle right now is, for any parent here, is that we are fighting for our family. And the truth is, whether it's your family, your spouse, no matter how old your children are or how young they are, it doesn't matter. Uh, every one of us, every one of us are in this tug of war, a war of information. So much information right now. It's hard to know who's telling the truth, who's lying, who's... It's just so much information, and so many people are almost very vulnerable and very susceptible to anything that they give them because they're tired of just what's going on in the world right now. But in the midst of all of this worry and pressure, this is where God's people rise up. This is where we begin to shine as the children of God. Anytime you look at the Scripture. When there was pressure on God's people, God's people, they didn't dwindle. They multiplied. They multiplied because who was in them could not be stopped. So it goes beyond us. It goes beyond being charismatic. It goes beyond Dale Carnegie's how to win and influence people, win, win friends and make everybody happy and you can memorize everyone's name if you want to. You can figure out what their hobbies are and have conversation, but that doesn't win them to Jesus. That wins them to you, which that has to happen. But for them to experience someone beyond ourselves means that we have to have a deeper walk with God, who is above all things, who is the creator and maker of all things, and who's the God of all flesh. Because once a person's soul has experienced the presence of God. It is a match made in heaven, and it is everything that God intended as far as his creation. Every person has a void in their life that only God can fill. Only God can fill. People are going to have gods, lowercase g's. People were, we were wired to worship, but we were never wired to be worshipped. Does that make sense? That's why when Jesus was worshipped, it wasn't the same. His birth was miraculous. He was born without sin. He was called the son of God, making himself equal with God. And this is why the religious world hated Jesus. Because he said, your sins are forgiven to people. And they said, only God can forgive sins. But he was God in the flesh. But they weren't worshiping the carcass, the outer capsule, the humanity. People were worshiping the God inside of him. They were worshiping his deity. They were worshiping who he was. As he proved to them through the works, through the actions that he had. What's amazing to me is that as great as a leader as Jesus was and an influencer in his time, as great as a leader as he was, and he had the proof, he had the signs, he had the wonder, he had the ability to raise the dead. No matter how powerful his ministry was, his disciples were still susceptible to failure. 
Every one of his disciples had weaknesses. Every one of them. Peter had the gift of gab. Peter had the gift of over-promising, under-delivering. Peter would act before he thought it through, cutting off the ear to the servant, to the high priest, to the Pharisees, to religious war. He, he, he moved and he acted and he had to be corrected, but also Peter, Peter failed and denied. We know the story. We know it very well. We use them as illustrations. We never talk about him walking on water, but he did. We talk about him falling into the water. Because as human beings, we only remember failures, and we only focus on weaknesses sometimes. All of the disciples had issues, but he still picked them. He knew Judas was a thief, but he still put him in charge over the money. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in one portion of the scripture where Jesus was talking about, I'm fixing to go through, and he prophesied his death, and he talked about what he would suffer and things that were fixing to happen concerning the crucifixion. And immediately after talking his, to his disciples about what his suffering was going to be like and what he would experience, James and John said, Lord, would you give us a place in your kingdom sitting right next to you? We want that position. <laughs> what? I mean, like, you didn't hear what I just told you? I'm going to suffer, and you want a position, a title? Yeah. Human nature. Human nature. He knew Thomas would doubt. <laughs> he knew all of them would scatter like sheep once put under pressure. But guess what? He still chose them. It didn't surprise God. It never surprised him. If you can remember our last lesson, how God lives in eternity while he is in the past, present, and the future, and we are in a chronological time era, we just know sunrise and sunset. But God sees everything from beginning to end. He knew who he wanted. To prove to them how weak they were. To when in Acts chapter 2, he would give them something that all the patriarchs and matriarchs were looking forward to. An experience that would change their hearts. And the same Peter who would run for his life would now preach and speak to 3,000 people and watch the conversion of an entire town in that day. Baptizing people and watching them get baptized and how all 12 of them would, would continue to go and carry the legacy. And, but they didn't do it out of their own sheer will or charisma. They did it because the power of God was in their life. I mean, even at the Last Supper, he knew and he called out Judas. So when we look at Jesus, we have to get this when it comes to evangelism. Jesus knew he could not change the world without changing the 12 and that they would go out and do the same the question we have to ask you and we need to ask ourselves where's our 12 if we are truly if we have truly been given a commission from God to evangelize we have to identify our 12 they don't have to literally be 12, but there should be a small group that you've got in your mind that you're going to focus on trying to reach. They may be involved in business. They may be just people who are your coworkers. They might just be your family, which I think and I do believe that we should first evangelize our families before we try to go win the world, right? I mean, that's a rule of thumb. That goes without saying. But here's the first point, and here's what we need to remember. If you look for the good, you're going to find it. 
Jesus saw, you know, Peter, you know, he talks and he acts before he thinks. He does all. But boy, wait till, God, wait till I get a hold of his heart. He's going to be dynamic for me in the kingdom of God. He is not going to be afraid to give his life. He's going to tell the truth once I give him what he needs to do the job. Thomas may doubt, Thomas may question, but his curiosity is going to take him to a deep level of his relationship with me, and he's going to follow me and go places. This is exactly what Jesus told Peter. He said, when you were young, you, you, you did what you wanted to do, and you went about your own business, but said, when you get older, another one's going to clothe you and take you places you would have never gone before. That's what God does for us. But you see, when God found us, he didn't see who we were. He saw what we could be, who we could be. Jesus looked at every single one of them and saw the potential. And reaching out to people, you're never going to find the perfect candidate to hear the good news or to be loved on. And we've got this thing backwards. We feel like many times, and, and just in our nature, that we have to disciple people before God can touch them, save them, deliver them, or heal them. We have to qualify them to be worthy to experience God. When God, I don't remember any time in the scripture, Jesus said to anybody, okay, you want me to heal you? Then get your life right first. He told the woman caught in the act of adultery, your sins are forgiven, but I never remember her asking him for forgiveness. Then he said, don't go and sin no more after that. That's a given. I mean, sin got you into the mess, right? Don't do it again. It'll get you in the mess again. But to keep free from sin, it takes the power of God. I know about you. I don't know about you. I can't do it by myself. I need him every day. There's a reason why I'm still up here. There's a reason why I'm in front of you. I would not have been God's choice. And before you start thinking, yeah, you know what? I can see that, Pastor Bob. <laughs> Look at yourself. None of us, none of us should be here right now. But there is a God who's real, who loves people, who manifests himself, who responds to prayer, who will act on the worship and the praise. God saw the potential in every single one of them. He knew those fishermen would be something in the world because they were in the, in the kingdom because they were something in the world. They weren't of high status and influence, but they kept themselves busy and they were productive. And he said, you're doing great now catching fish, but I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. Matthew was a man that I believe was of low status. Not, not social status, but of a low opinion of the common man, a tax collector who are known as thieves and liars and greed. But God said, you know what? I'm going to save him, turn his life around, and watch what he does for me. And then Matthew is the first author of the Gospels and takes an account of the life of Jesus Christ and gives us one of the most famous commissions ever written in that last chapter. He was there with him. He was there. James wrote a book. John wrote a book. Peter wrote books. All of them began to realize it's not what I was that he looked at. It's what I could be. And that's what we have to have when we look at people for, to be candidates. But it's not going to be one when you start to preach and feel like you've got to put your soapbox out there and give them indoctrinated first. That's not how it works. You catch them, God cleans them. Turn to somebody, tell them that. You catch them, but God will clean them. You're the bait. That's right. You're the salt of the earth. Your life is the bait. Your life, there are people out there that want something more. There are people out there that are scared for their lives. But you know that Jesus is the answer still. And you have Jesus in your life. Therefore, you're the answer for people. And you've got what it takes. And you have what's necessary. 
to turn fear into faith in the lives of individuals? Are there any believers here this Sunday morning that realizes that greater is he that's inside of you than everything that's happening in the world right now? And God is real. God is real. And somehow, someway, in God's divine purpose, love and mercy found us. And love and mercy turned things around. But if it was up to men to qualify us to live for God, none of us would be here. I want to read you something. Luke chapter 7, verse 37. And it says this in the NIV. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. <laughs> she wasn't invited. She said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going there. Party crasher. And it says right here, as she stood behind him at the feet, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She kissed them, poured perfume on them, which was, I believe, most scholars and most commentaries would reference that alabaster box of ointment as what would be her savings. Everything she worked hard for, it was very valuable in those days. She took what was most valuable to her and utilized her only assets of herself and cleaned his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. That may not mean nothing to us guys, but women, everybody wore chunklas in those days. Now you'd be afraid of catching fungus. But in those days, they had muddy feet. So if you can imagine taking your hair and cleaning wet feet that had mud on them from the tears and putting them on your hair, transferring that to yourself, think about her position. So not only was she an outcast in the community, she went there with all humility, and she just felt so humbled to be there. She didn't look for a towel. She didn't look for a basin. She said, everything I'm going to do to offer to him has to come straight out of my heart, straight from my heart. It's not what you have. It's who you are that God wants in your life that he calls pure worship. And when she gave the alabaster box, the disciples began to chatter, and they began to talk about what a waste. Judas said that was a waste. We could have took it, sold it, and fed the children. But then the scripture says also that he said that only because he was a thief. And what the disciples called waste, Jesus called worship. And so Jesus says this, and he knew what they were thinking. So he wanted to get the message to the Pharisees. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon. So he looks at Simon and the Pharisees are over here, and he looks at them, talking to them while he's teaching him, and says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owe money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back, so he forgave their debts, both of them. He forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had bigger debts, for, uh, the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman right here? 
do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, which was customary. You did not give me anything to cleanse me, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair because nothing else was good enough. You did not kiss me, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her, her, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Repeat this with me. Are you ready? Repeat this after me. But. Okay, there was only butts on this side. We need butts on this side too. No pun intended. Are you ready? But. Oh, my God. One more time. One more. But. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Oh. Someone asked me one time, you know, uh, why is it that when God saves bad people, they always turn into Christ, uh, Christian the preachers and they, they always get fanatical. But I knew them when they were in high school. I had a guy tell me that one time. He, he knew of an evangelist that I knew that would travel and preach and they went to high school together. And I said, you know, so-and-so, they're, they're preachers now. And he said, who's a preacher? I said, so-and-so, and he said, you got to be kidding me. I went to high school with them. They were, they were womanizers. He was a womanizer. He, he lied. He played politics. He didn't tell the truth. He was always fighting. He's a preacher. And I began, I said, hey, man, I said, you know, I, I said, you know, God's called me to ministry as well. I can't explain. He said, you're a preacher? I don't think my family can, I don't think they still believe the fact that God called me to preach because I was the most spoiled, unlikely, arrogant young man that you have ever met in your life. Because I, had, I didn't have a dad growing up. I didn't understand the concept, and I grew up wild. And I promise you, I wouldn't have picked me to be up here leading you. Now, before you walk out, God probably would. No, I better not go there. I'm just saying none of us deserve to be here. But could it be that God forgives everyone, but there are some that has the need to be forgiven more? And the more that they've been forgiven, the much more they can love? Because some people understand that I was going down. My life was spiraling down. I was fixing to lose my family. I was fixing to lose my career. I was fixing to lose my, my loved ones. I was fixing to lose my life. But then God stepped in, and he loved me and saved me and forgave me. And whenever you see somebody radically changed, we need to consider it's probably because God forgave them of a whole lot of stuff in their life, and the gratitude takes on at a whole level. That doesn't mean you got to go out and live a promiscuous lifestyle and you have to get out there and be wild and let God give you a testimony. I still believe the greatest testimony is that God has kept us from certain things in our life as well. But don't discredit whom God is dealing with you about. What if what if Ananias didn't go pray for Paul or Saul of Tarsus? I mean, he was the worst. He's the one that persecuted the church and killed people. Just like what's going on right now in Afghanistan. But the church began to pray. And while he was en route to go and take and imprison more Christians, God met him on the path. Uh, let me insert this right here right now. If we will pray and ask God to intervene, how many people would God move on and stop them while they're gone their way to imprison Christians right now in our world if the church would just start to believe and start to pray? 
Some turn to somebody and tell them, tell them prayer works. Prayer works. But the apostle Paul, forgiven of much, he became one of the main writers of the New Testament church. Started more churches than anybody on record. Wrote more books. Influenced more people. And went through a lot for the name of Christ. But would you and I have had, would would we have had the audacity to go out and to reach him? He probably would have been the last one on the list. I'm not even sure that he would even have made our list. But who is it in your life that God wants to reach? Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. So how much have you prayed for them? Who is on your list. If you want to have fun, if you really want to have fun living for God, find your 12. Find that list of people that you start praying for. Find that list of people that you start calling their names out, calling their families out. And when you get around them, let pray God open up an opportunity. Let them see something in my life. If they're sick, God, give me an opportunity to pray for them. If they know what I believe, then God, let them give me a prayer request. And you answer that prayer, God. Prove yourself to them. I'm not there, Lord, to try to clean them up and get them right. That's your job. That's the Holy Ghost's job. That's the Spirit of God's job. But I'm going to do my best to reach out. Out and I'm going to do my best to present you through the love of God, through my actions, not my words. Through my actions, not my words, more than anything else. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did to win people and to draw crowds. It was more than his teaching. It was the fact that he healed people, that he delivered people, that he raised them from the dead, that he saw their sicknesses healed, that he cured their leprosy, that he reached out to blind people. And, and, and when he prayed, they opened up their eyes. When they couldn't hear, they, he unstopped their ears. What I'm saying to you is that we need a revival of signs and wonders in the church if we're ever going to turn this generation around because doctrinal teaching is very important but it's not there to, to win them it's there to grow them and develop them but it's going to be the power of God in our life that the people want to see this generation right now that we are fighting for your children they need to know the power of God they, how, does anybody believe in the power of God still? Come on, does anybody believe in the power of God? We can't just come to church just to say we went to church because we want to keep our family together or we want to be a good example. No, 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 no. That's not what the church is made for. The church is made for the people to assemble together where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is in the right in the middle of all of them to experience him in the power of his resurrection and the power of his healing and deliverance. That's why they follow Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three reasons why. Just right here, point number two, who's following you? Or you can write down a parenthesis beside that. Point number two, who's following you or what's following you? There are three reasons why people follow Jesus. Are you ready? Write this down. Make this in your notes. There are three reasons why people follow Jesus. And here it is. Miracles, signs, and wonders. You study the Bible and check it out. I believe the wonderment that is referring to is the interaction with God's spirit concerning the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the deliverance of God that leaves us in awe. It's a part of God that we experience, but we can never explain it. Wonderment. Wonderment. He even told the disciples, you're following me because of the signs and wonders. 
Nicodemus came to him in the middle of the night in John chapter 3. He said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher sent from God. No one can do the miracles you do. He mentioned he's a teacher. The teaching was great. The teaching was anointed, but it was the power of God that brought people. Hmm. Boldness is what we need. Not rudeness, not religion, not attitude, not my God's greater than your God. Proof, a love for people. Can I pray for you? I'm going to pray for you. God cares. When's the last time you walked into your business because you've been praying for people? When's the last time you walked into your work because you've been praying for people? God had a word for you for somebody, and you're like, blow, God like blew your mind. Blew their mind. They're like, oh, my God, how did you know? You ain't got to say, well, I was on a fast, and I was praying in tongues for three hours straight. But all God wants us to do in that moment is point directly to him and say, God is real. And he answers prayer. And they're going to be like, I want to go where you go. I want to experience what you've got. If you ever are given an opportunity, I know circumstances won't allow you to because I think the worst thing we can do as Christians is go to work and Bible thump everybody. See, that's trying to clean the fish before God ever catches them. That's not how it's done. Love for people and a passion for them to experience God works every single time. Every single time. You want to win your family? Start living for God the way you're supposed to live for God. Close your eyes and look straight. Don't look at anybody. I'm fixing to say something. I don't want anybody twitching and giving it away. Because I'm fixing to say something that's going to hurt somebody's feelings, and I don't want you to think I'm looking at you. Are you ready? Stop being a hypocrite. Oh, my gosh. You can open your eyes now. Whew. We got to stop the double standard. We got to stop. Um, I, I, I'm, with, I'm going to church. Come out of church, act like a devil. Act like a spoiled child. You see, God intended for us to love His sheep, the people. He told Peter when he was resurrected and they're all around, he asked for fish, broiled fish and, and bread. And, and while Peter was eating, he said, Peter, do you love the fish more than me? He said, no, Lord. He said, then feed my sheep. Then he asked him again and then a third time. And Peter's like, oh, my gosh. I'm, I, I, if I was Peter, I would have stopped eating right at that moment and said, okay, I'm not supposed to eat. God's called me on a fast. That's never happened to any of you? Nobody? Bueller? Nobody? Like you knew God was dealing with you? The only reason God deals with us is to help us, but also to make a difference in somebody else's life. God never saved us to just come to church. God saved us to live for him. God saved us to have a walk with him to prayer, a prayer life, but there has to be evidence because if you're leading and no one's following, you're just taking a walk. Who's following you? Let me give you some signs of what should follow you. Listen to this. Mark chapter 16, 15 says this. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 18 in the New King James. It says it like this. And he said to them, the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So they are supposed to preach, but they were preachers. And I think we all have a ministry. 
But he said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And because God wants to validate the word and his presence and the person being in covenant with him to prove that there is a God and he does exist, he said, verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Now, we have to be honest with ourselves. When's the last time we prayed the deliverance prayer over somebody and saw them delivered? Think about that for one moment. Well, that casting demons, that ain't for me, Pastor Barbara. That's your job. Is it? I thought that was all of our jobs. I've cast demons out before, and I've had them talk back to me with their eyes rolled back. Leave me alone. That was a woman talking. I've had them sometimes where they didn't get crazy like that. They just kind of, Phew. I've had them sometimes where they were so heavy and so weighted down with spirits of oppression that you just made a simple prayer and say, Jesus' name, go. And the weight lifted, and the peace of God came, and tears came out of their eyes. Not every deliverance is the same. But you were called to set the captives free. And you do not need a platform because I'm going to tell you something. This appears in all what is made out to be. If this is why you're living for God, you're living for God for the wrong reasons. I didn't ask God for this. God gave it to me and I had to be obedient to the call. I didn't ask him for this. I wanted just to serve him. And I followed him, and I served. Everybody wants to be a leader, but no one wants to be a servant anymore. There are so many books, and I love le reading books on leadership, but that's the problem we have now. Everyone has read books on leadership, but no one's writing them on servanthood. So everyone wants to be a leader, but, the, but you want to know what the problem is? Because of a lack of character and values, no one's following. No one's following. There needs to be a following in the direction that you're going. And if we, you and I, have frailties, we have inconsistencies, we will make mistakes, we will fail. But there is a God inside of you that will validate him walking with you that will cause other people to recognize who you are in Christ. Not what you used to be, but what God is doing with you right now. See, when you're covered by the blood, that's what hell can't do. Hell can't touch you because you're protected and covered by his blood, his spirit through the life of Jesus Christ. And when you come in confrontation with something that opposes God's will, everything in the earth and in the heavens have to be subject to the name of Jesus. And there are people waiting to get delivered in your family and in your life that are waiting for your boldness and authority for you to wake up, all of us to wake up to what God has called us to be. Say, that's one of the signs. Say, somebody say deliverance. That's one of the signs. Is anybody catching what I'm throwing down right now? Or let me, is anybody picking up what I'm throwing down? I think that's how it goes. They will cast out demons. Are you ready for the next one? Oh, watch that. It's, 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 it's rough. The signs that will follow them that believe, and they will speak with new tongues. Last week, I was in Harlingen, Texas. And the pastor had me out, and he asked me to, to uh, teach his congregation about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues. It is a very, very, uh, for some, it's very challenging. This pastor was so hungry, and he's so genuine, and he wanted it. But there are certain giftings in the church that God has given certain people. Anytime you look at the apostles, uh, when the people in the church would win them, they would call for the apostles that they might receive the Holy Ghost because there was a special anointing on their life. So God has a structure and God has a calling for everybody. So that gift happens to function in my life. 
And so I was called to go to Harlingen, and this pastor had a number of new people. They're a brand-new church, about three years old, and they're growing. They're, it's a phenomenal church, but he has a lot of new people, some in leadership. They've heard about the power of God, but they've never experienced it. So I said, okay, I'll come. Give me one day Saturday for a workshop, and I'll do a workshop. The same Bible study that, I'm gonna, that, I'm, that I taught is the same study I teach with the crew sign-up. If you want to be part of my crew, that's a little plug-in for my crew group. I'm doing the crew this semester. Go sign up if you want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit or need a renewing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'll, and I'll teach you. So we did that. The next day, there was a room full of people, and the next day, we ministered, and then I called forward, and I said, everybody who was in that Bible study, I said, I want you to come down. There was about 40 people in the front, 41 or so, and we prayed with them having a clear understanding, because when you talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and speaking with tongues... It's confusing for a lot of people because they've never been taught correctly. But it is in the Bible. And it is for everyone. And we prayed. And I gave instruction. And on the count of three, I said, on the count of three, I want you to just begin to praise God with the sincerity of your heart. Open your mouth and begin to say things like, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Or thank you, Jesus. Keep it simple. And when you feel the presence of God come on you, just be bold and let it out. And I went, one, two, three. Everybody give him praise and everyone begin to shout. It was just a matter of seconds. One, two, you can see it. Three, four, I went across. Didn't even touch him, barely just went in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, all of them, all 40, got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. All 40. All 40 people. Because I asked the pastor the next day who was there, and we asked them, if you got it, step back. If you didn't, stay up forward. And it was one person that stayed forward. He wasn't in the Bible study. But we prayed for him, and God delivered him and touched him. Somebody say signs. 18, and they will take up serpents. That's for Arkansas. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick. Say, somebody say, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Come on, Haley. You got to look back and wonder sometimes. Is there anybody following me? If there isn't, maybe I need to let God begin to leave a, brum, a, a bread trail. Maybe I need to ask God to move in my life. So, see, the scripture says signs follow them that believe. It never said people follow the signs. That's not what we do. We step up by faith and watch God move. And God will be dependent on your passion and your love for people. And if you have that, and if you reach out, God will validate with signs and wonders and miracles. I'm not preaching off the cuff and saying something that's unrealistic or presenting a false hope. This is the will of God for the church. And this will distinguish us from the rest of the world who are saying they have something better to offer than God does. This totally separates us from everybody else. This is where the altars are built and the prophet stands up and says, let who's ever God be God answered by fire and watch the fire fall to validate whose God is real. So in this time, in this moment that where we're living in, I get excited when I hear about white witches. It's in the church today. I get excited when I hear about black witches. I hear about people that are doing war warlocks, doing chants and doing spells and people. It's happening. There are stores in our city that are actually selling black magic stuff to teach people. I walked into a business the other day, and when I walked in, the lady at the counter, she had a book. It, it was a book for witches. 
and she was trying to use that to prosper her business. It is all over this town and even in the education system, and most people don't want to talk about it. But where is the church today? Because our children need to know about the power of God. And it needs to start in our homes. We need to start praying for our kids to get healed before we call the doctor. We need to start praying for our kids to get touched and delivered before we call the pastor. We need to start exercising and charging ourselves up with the goods. I'm not saying don't use doctors. I'm not saying don't use counselors. I'm saying give God a chance first. It's funny how everybody wants Jesus. You see, he allowed it to happen that way because eventually it led to them giving their heart to him. You have to love him first. We have a dog in our home. His name is Mason. Mason's a weird dog. Some of you don't know, but I'll, um, my kids, see, last night I was giving him popcorn. And so last night we were talking, you know, I was talking to Mason. Yeah, I said talking. But the weirdest thing happens with Mason is that Whenever we begin to have him in the house and other people are there, he loves going to them because they give him attention. He'll get all weirded out, you know, get on his back. And, but when I walk into the room, he just gets upright, starts licking his mouth, and get real shaky. The reason why, and you can judge me if you want to, I don't care, I give him the goods. I give him food. I do. I give him for a snack. I, and I don't care who's in the room. Whoever is in the room, he won't go to them. But when I say, Mason, Mason, come on, Mason, come on, Mason, come on, buddy, come on, Mason. See, when I call him, sit, stay. Stay, and I watch how he shakes. Look at him shaking. You see that? Stay, stay, stay. He's very obedient because he wants that. Stay. When I walk into a room, stay. He'll go crazy. I said go. Stop. Come here, Mason. Come here, Mason. That's it. That's all he wants. See, did you hear when I said go? He went after it. That's the key word. And that's exactly why. But when I have something that he wants, everybody else becomes just blind to him. He just can't see them. He doesn't focus on nothing else. Why? Because I have something there. I don't care how nice you are to my dog. When I walk in, he knows I'm the one that gives him what he wants. When Jesus walks into your life and your friends and your family begin to see you getting blessed with something they can experience, they're going to follow you for a reason. And eventually God will grab a hold of their heart. And eventually God is going to do something in their life. But we need the presence of God and the power of God to manifest in our life again. And we've got to press into that presence and defy all the odds and defy every familiar spirit and every principality and everything that has been over this region to gain the authority that God has called us to have. If we're going to properly evangelize this city, our Victoria, our Victoria County and surrounding counties, if we're going to do that, we can't be like every other church at other churches in town. We need to do it out of love. We need to pray and step up by faith. We need to not just have the pastor pray for everybody. That's religion. That is religion. When a man, listen, when a man begins to be worshipped, he was never wired to be that way. Men were never made to be worshipped. We were wired to worship God. So the pastor should always teach the congregation, this is not all predicated on me. It's all of us together. And we all need the power of God. We all need to see God move in our life. We all need to see our children blessed by God. We all need to see our children. Are you ready? Are you ready? 
We all need to see our children and loved ones speaking in tongues. Oh, I'm a, if any pastors are watching this around the city, I've just been blackballed. Boom. Derelict. Heresy. Don't knock it till you tried it. It's God that gives the gift. It changed my life. That's the only reason I'm up here. Because I had an experience with God someone told me about. And I didn't care what the doctrine was. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think about what I had to give up. or, or, or it's, not, uh, it's all perspective. It's not I have to do. It's like my friend says, I get to do. I get to do. We get to follow him. We get to see people set free. Here's the weekly challenge. Write this down. Start looking for your 12 and invest in them. It doesn't have to be 12 people, but that's just an example of who's in your circle. If you're a business owner, is it your employees? Is it your customers? I know there's a fine line there, but you know how powerful prayer is? That God will move and God will highlight you and God will anoint you. Is it just you taking a trip to the grocery store? Is it, what, where, where is your sphere of influence? God wants to use you. God wants to use us. During this semester, we're focusing on evangelism. We want to see our families and our friends come to God. How many of you are with us in this semester right now? Come on, stand to your feet here this Sunday morning. But you got to have something to give. you got to have something to give if you want their attention. You must. There's a lot of voices, a lot of chatter out in the world today. There's a lot of chatter out there right now, a lot of options. But some people are handing things to people that have no substance. But they're hungry for God. They're hungry for God. Our world is hungry right now. Don't deprive your children, your spouses, your loved ones. Press in to God's presence right now together as a family. Press in right now. Lift your voices. You, you just got to learn how to surrender. Raise your hands. Lift your voices and begin to press in by saying, I love you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I desire you. Come into our family. You see, you have not because you ask not. You got to ask him, Lord, let my prayer life come back. Let my praying in the spirit be renewed in my life. Teach me how to pray. God, don't let me lose my heritage. Don't let me lose, God, and, and forfeit a legacy to my children. God, above all of my ways, God, let your way be done. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every parent here and every person here, God, would begin to be feel a hunger. Fill them with a hunger for the things of God. Fill up all of us, God. Don't let us try to focus on the world to change the world. Let us focus on the few. Let us focus on our few, God, that you've given us to influence. God, send us people in our life that know nothing about you. Send us people in our life that, that we don't want people that go to other churches to come to our church. We want people, God, that aren't churched at all, that don't know nothing about God, that understand that there's a God who's real because, God, you help us. Help us help them experience you. We're the link between you and the world. So use us in this hour. Use us in this hour. I want you to call out your family's names right now. Call out that one person that's on your mind right now and say, God, touch them. God, begin to move in their life. <laughs> Go ahead. I feel this so strong. Call them out. Call them out by name. If it's your mama, call your mama out. If it's your daddy, call your daddy. If it's your daughter, if it's your son, call them out. If it's your aunt, your uncle, your grandma, your grandpa, nieces, nephews, whoever it might be, call out your coworkers right now. Call out your coworkers. Call out your longtime best friends. Call them out right now because your intercession for them is their hope. You're the lifeline. You're the lifeline between them and God. It's time for the Spirit of God to begin to manifest itself in our lives. We need something real. The world needs something real. The world doesn't need religion. The world needs a relationship with Jesus. It's time for us to evangelize. It's time for us to evangelize before they get lost in a system. 
in a world. <laughs> There's so many people right now that are accepting witchcraft and, and black magic and because they're hungry for something spiritual. Because the church isn't giving them something spiritual. But we have the goods. We have the anointing. We have the love of God. We have the real deal. That's a substitute for the real thing. That's a fake. That's a fake. We've got the real stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, today, if there's anybody here that needs to submit their lives to you, if that's you, just begin to tell them, Father, forgive me. If you've not taken your first step towards Jesus to make him your Lord and Savior, just tell him right now from your own heart to his, Lord, forgive me of my sins. In your own way, tell him, just repent of your sins and say, God, I'm tired and I'm ready. Be the Lord of my life. For the rest of us, just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, somebody. Say, Lord Jesus, anoint us. Let your spirit fall on us. Let my prayer life take on a new dimension. Answer our prayers. Hear our cry. Save our family. Save our friends. Save my boss. Save my coworkers. Let my life be a life that can be trusted. When people see me, let them see you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.